Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things fitness and business. I left my career as a TV reporter after 10 years to start my own fitness coaching company. I was so tired of seeing people struggle with disordered eating and misguided weight loss information. Think of this as your one-stop shop for training, nutrition, and success while navigating through life. Grab a cup of coffee, get cozy, and get ready to learn and laugh. Again, welcome to the Taylor Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. So this may be a little bit of a shock at first, or you may already know this, but you guys, 60% of people check their email first thing in the morning. So if you think about what you do when you get up, chances are you probably head to social media well, keep in mind, you are not alone. And I say that because it's kind of a no-brainer, but I think a lot of people, especially coaches, are neglecting their email list. It's something that we do because we know we should do it. Whether you're a coach or whatever kind of business you're running, your email list is key to marketing. This is where you're going to get, again, 60% of people checking their email first thing in the morning. You don't want to miss out on email marketing. So I'm gonna go over a few things to make your email list grow. So again, we've talked about Instagram captions. We've talked about being authentic. Now it's time to get a little nitpicky with your toolbox and email is where to start. So the fact that email marketing beats out social media and content marketing, again, might be a little surprising, but you know, think about it. Social media is the thing that we all feel so inclined to grow and engage with every single day. And it's so community driven, but there's a lot going on on social media. So it's really hard to set yourself apart. Think about it. Even hashtags. We spend so long crafting the right message, picking the right photo, all of these things, but there's so many things going on on social media all the time. With email, you are delivering content to somebody's inbox. People don't have to search for it. They get it every single day. Now, whether they click it and open it or not is a different story. But again, you are not hoping that people will land on your website. You are delivering content to them. So if you are somebody that has put your email subscription on the back burner and you just kind of let it roll out and hope for the best, I challenge you to get a little creative. So the first thing I want you to do is to start with some research. Start to think about what you are offering in your emails. I want you to go through your email list. Look at everything you subscribe to. I want you to look at random ads, whether it be Bath and Body Works or a shoe company, a supplement company, whatever. Something that maybe is not in your field per se, but what is it that targets you to open that? What is it about the headline that draws you in? And also take note, what headlines lead you to delete it? What headlines do you skip over? What was the offer or the incentive that made you jump at the chance to add another email to your inbox? Did you get something for free? Was there a coupon code, some cheat sheet? Did you get exclusive access? Whatever it is, I want you to remember the why behind you getting on someone's list and the why behind you opening someone's email. Now think about people in your field. For the sake of this, I will talk a little bit about fitness. 
There are so many coaches that put out free workouts. It's so easy to just do a workout Wednesday ad, right? We can all throw together some workouts, whatever. It takes a little bit of research though to give them good content. So what is the invitation that you want for people to open your emails? What is the vibe you're giving off, right? Are you being bubbly? Are you witty? Are you enthusiastic? Are you informational? Are you nerdy? Are you structured? Are you quirky? What kind of words do you want to use? What kind of words do you like? What, in, what engages you? What gets you excited? And how do you excite your audience? So let's say you've got a few people that you're like, man, I love their emails. How could you apply some of those techniques? Pay attention to the formatting, not just the subject line. What does the email look like? Chances are it is clean, it is simple, and it's very neat and tidy. So take a second to figure out a strategy. Again, this is your chance to personalize emails for you. And trust me, I know that many of us probably are doing our own emails. I myself am somebody, I do not have anybody working for me. I do my emails every single time. So here is how I have my emails set up. I told myself that I could commit to two emails a week. Two emails to me is just enough. Now I do put out workouts and then I do put out something that is more informational, content driven, science based with of course my flair, tailored if you will. Typically Wednesdays are where I might link something new coming out. Recently with quarantine, my workouts have been at home workouts and I have linked my at home guides in them. Tuesdays are when I send out what I call tailored tips. So again, that is my marketing strategy. Some of you might be able to commit to one a week and that's fine. Some of you might have a newsletter format format once a month, which can also work. However, I do encourage you to put something out at least weekly. You want to make sure you're getting in someone's inbox weekly. Let's talk about writing the body of it. So your opt-in offer is how you're hooking somebody, right? You first want to decide what your strategy is for somebody to even subscribe to your email list, right? Because we have so many emails that we are subscribed to. And I promise you, there's so many that I don't look at guys. I mean, I think that we all understand, like I use my Yahoo email address and I think I open it and get so overwhelmed because I use it for nothing but subscriptions and I really need to clean it out. You don't want your email to get lost like that in somebody else's inbox. So for subscribing, I offer all of my new subscribers either a free grocery guide or a free training split. You will have to decide what your free is, whatever that is. Maybe it's 15% off of a purchase. Maybe it's a free macro consultation, whatever it is. Because as a consumer, it's much more interesting to get something in exchange for handing over your email, right? Like you want to provide something if you get something. That's just how it works. So again, your opt-in could be free. 
or it could be a discounted code. Whatever it is, figure out what you're going to offer. And then I want you to create an experience. People want to experience something unique. You want to leave them thinking, wow, I am so happy that I subscribed. I feel like I know Taylor. There's a relationship that I feel like I'm building. People count on this relationship, guys. They are looking up to you as a mentor, as somebody who is an expert in your field. So again, you're trying to show them how to save time, how to add joy to their lives, how to make things simple, easy. Do not overthink this step with big elaborate branding or something. Just think of it as writing to a friend. This is something that I used to do in TV, guys. When we're writing TV copy, you always wanna practice, and I talked about this with authenticity as well. When you are talking to your audience, whether it be with your voice or whether it literally be something that you're writing, you want to write it like you are writing to a friend, like you're talking to your mom, like you're just having a simple conversation. Look at leaders in your industry and see how they are doing. Chances are their emails are conversational. Now, is there time for studies and science and things like that? Of course, but let's be honest. Not everybody is as nerdy as us. Not everybody is looking for the science behind everything, right? And while it is important to back up what you say, again, speaking with fitness in mind, it's also important to speak in layman's terms, to be conversational, to get people to understand what you're talking about. Now, when you're formatting and writing your email, you want it to be super easy to digest, which means tiny sentences. So literally guys, when I write an email, it's like one to three sentences max per graph, okay? Because you want them to read it quickly. You want them to digest it. You're lucky if you get them to read more than about three paragraphs. You know, studies show that when people click on a news article, for example, it's very rare that somebody spends longer than about eight seconds on a page, okay? Eight seconds, that's it. Now, if you write some elaborate, detailed email and people are having to sift for what they need, they are going to delete you so fast and then unsubscribe. So again, your emails don't have to be anything fancy, but they do need to engage your audience. They need to feel something. They need to feel value. Share your honesty. Make sure they trust you and believe whatever you're offering. Think of each email you drop as a tiny breadcrumb to what they're actually getting to. So an example, if you know something is launching soon, I recently launched a macro guide. So it was a 60 page book, ebook, if you will. And I called it WTF is a macro because that is literally so my brand. Um, you know, as silly as that may sound, the question that I get asked most is what the F is a macro? I mean, literally guys, all the time people are like, what is a macro? So I thought that is a perfect title for my book. So the week leading up to it, I talked about, you know, everything that was kind of in there in little snippets, like how the F do you track alcohol or, you know, just little things like that, right? You get the point. But it was all branded towards that. So little tiny breadcrumbs along the way 
that would help people see the value in my product that was launching. Now let's talk about subject lines. There's a few words that go over really, really well. You want them to be super simple. People like the word easy. They like the word tips. They like the word secret. They, you know, five tips for fat loss, my best secrets for fat loss, things like that. You want to be on that line of clickbait, but also alluring, right? So an example, what influencers are hiding or what bodybuilders are hiding, um, certain things like that. Of course, don't go extreme, but again, take your time to think about these headlines. Also, I will say, if you can, use an emoji, never more than one, but one emoji does help your subject line. And then again, think about just the big picture, right? Again, what is the experience you're creating? What are you leaving your audience with? How are you encouraging them to trust you? Now, a few things that I will say will make your emails stand out is, of course, having really nice photos. So if somebody opens an email, make sure that it's not just text. You, of course, want something pretty. You want your brand somewhere. You want the colors to be coordinated. This should not look like you're just sending out a Word document, right? I use MailChimp. It is super easy. It is super simple. I have templates that I have created so that when I recreate an email, all I really do is swap out the photo, change the headline a little bit, my brand is there, the link to my Instagram, my website, my Twitter, Facebook, all of that is in there at the bottom. Um, And it just makes it so, so simple. Same thing with my workout Wednesdays. It is the same template, I just change out the workouts and it's easy to digest. So, keep in mind, again, whenever you are creating your toolbox, you want your emails to stand out. Now, let's talk about a few other things you should have in your toolbox at your disposal, especially for fitness coaches. Now, if you are somebody that is not a fitness coach, this may change a little bit, but I am going to speak to coaches because that is the majority of people that are listening to this. So when somebody hops on the phone with you, I want you to have something free and ready for them. This is something that I did not have at first and I really learned the value of it because anytime I get a new coaching inquiry, I always have a 15 minute phone call with them and it is something that has been so valuable and I have worked with several coaches where I did not speak on the phone with them and I'm not saying that was necessarily bad because I was somebody, I was already advanced in my workouts. I didn't necessarily need to hop on the phone with them. I knew the coach I was hiring. I knew they were very well, um, you know, they were just amazing coaches, right? I didn't need the reassurance. However, you know, I am not Lane Norton, right? I am not uh, Paul Ravella, I am not Katie. So all these amazing coaches that have been doing it for much longer than me, who everybody knows exactly who they are and what they're getting. So. I wanted to make sure people knew that I was real, I wasn't BSing, and that I was reliable as a coach. So anytime somebody hopped on the phone with me, I wanted to give them either a free training split or a grocery guide or something like that. 
around Christmas, I launched something called 25 Days of Hitness. It was 25 hit workouts you could do in hotel rooms, living room, whatever. And that was something that I had on my website for, I think it was $14.99 or something. But anyone that hopped on the phone with me during December, I gave them that for free. And you also want to make sure that you have something for clients who cannot afford a one-on-one program. So this is the time to give in just a little bit to some trends, right? So for example, I do challenges twice a year. I do something called six weeks to shred. Now it is very, I definitely put this up front that this is not something where I am actually going to say you are going to get shredded in six weeks. However, the name helps me sell it. It is a little clickbaity. What this is, it's a six week program designed for a gym. And I also do one time macro setting with that. They also get my macro ebook for free. So it's one price for six weeks. It's a challenge. There are prizes at the end. So that is something that people may want if they do not want a one-on-one coach, just looking for something like that. Um, quarantine has been the best time right now to launch, you know, the at home programs and all of that. So just keep in mind that your toolbox is a multitude of things. Maybe a subscription is a route to go. Maybe you want to do a monthly subscription, but I think challenges are amazing. They're a great way to draw in those clients that you may not otherwise get and then hook them because typically after a challenge, they see the value of macros. They see the value of the workouts. They see the value of you and a lot of them will end up hiring you. So keep this in mind. And just think about that as you're creating your toolbox, guys. And I hope that you enjoyed this. And I just want you to think one more time about those emails and how important they are. Because again, I'll say it one more time, 60% of people, they hop on their emails first thing in the morning. And that is 60% of people that you do not want to miss, you guys. So if you are interested in coaching or anything in that regard, you can find me at tailoredtraining.com or you can send me an email if you have any questions, comments. It is trainwithtaylor at gmail.com. And of course, you guys can find me on Instagram at taylorfit. You guys have a great one. I want to combine you, Marissa, because I think that everybody in this team can definitely attest to the fact that you are creative and you definitely have a personality on social media. Oh, well, I don't know if I would say the same thing, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that you are somebody that really um, has a brand and owns it. And I think that you've worked the past few years since inception um, of your business to just kind of create who you are. So it was hard for me to narrow down where I really wanted to utilize you because I could see you for authenticity. I could see you for stress management. You just really resonate um, with a lot of these things that I think a lot of business owners struggle with. So first of all, props Mm -hmm. to you. Way to crush it. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I want to start out talking about some creative content. So kind of like what I was saying to you, I think that you are the real deal. You, um, your audience loves you. You are very relatable. Now, how did you grow into creating 
certain things like your Miss Buster Mondays or your eating out posts? Like kind of how did you, where did you start and how did you kind of build your brand? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So that's kind of two questions in one. So how I built my brand and kind of how I built my audience uh, are two kind of separate things. So I built my audience actually a very long time ago. Um, Basically, I was fortunate enough to have kind of grown a majority of my following when I was in contest prep in 2016. Um, And back then I was YouTubing and I was posting like two to three videos a week. And I was posting maybe two to three times a day on Instagram. And that's when the algorithm wasn't like shunning people for that. And I kind of saw really rapid growth with my own transformation and contest prep and then sharing all of that on multiple platforms, multiple times a day or week. And I was kind of just saturating everyone's feed and it was very easy to find me for those reasons. Um, And I think it was kind of a newer thing to, to be an online coach, to be in contest prep back then. So I think I was fortunate enough to be able to capitalize on that time, I think when times were a little bit simpler on Instagram. So that was when I built a majority of my audience, my following. Um, and there are a lot of people that are around now still from then. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that my following and audience hasn't grown since then. And I think in the past, you know, two, two and a half years, I've really been focusing more on my brand rather than, you know, just a number and an audience count. Um, and kind of honing in on, you know, how I how I found what my message is. And I think I'm constantly still focusing on defining what that message is and defining what my my branding, what I want it to be. But, um, yeah, with, like, the Mythbusters for Mondays, I mean, that's not really a new idea. Um, it is something that I wanted to find kind of, like, a unique hashtag for so I could kind of brand that as my own. And I knew I was already kind of – in the realm of evidence-based fitness and, and kind of getting BS out of the way in terms of, you know, fitness myths and nutrition myths. So, um, man, I don't even know how it started, but when I, when I started making those posts, I was kind of just browsing along some articles online that were basically preaching some myths and stuff like that. And I was just like, I want to shed some light on these. So I'm going to figure out a way to kind of make it my own. Well, and, and more to add Sorry, to is the fact that, like, you're right. It's not necessarily some new concept, but I think where you shine is the fact that you do it every single week, which is something yeah. that people don't often do as you're trying to kind of build your brand and morph who you are and your online persona is that people will do something for a month or four sessions and they just quit, you know, and so it never really Absolutely. becomes branded with them because, I mean, you know as well as I do, online coaches are a dime a dozen. So it's how do you stand out versus everyone else? And like you were saying back in 2016, you know, that algorithm wasn't there yet. So people were posting, and I was doing it too, posting three or four times a day. That was before stories were a thing. So the only way you could resonate was to just post your meal, post a selfie, post something. And it was before we had all these cool text over photo apps and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, so go ahead and continue. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right about the consistency of showing up with that same type of content over and over again. So whatever it is that you 
decide like, hey, this is what I want to be known for. You got to keep showing up with that, even on the days that it doesn't necessarily feel like. I mean, I'm not saying to force your content, but sometimes you do have to either pre-plan it or front load it so that when you're not feeling as creative one day, you can still get that content out there at the right time. So like for me, I have, I pretty much schedule out my content by the month. Um, So I'll write it out um, just in a Word document, honestly. And it's like super simple. Like I'll just make a list from one through 30 or one through 31 whatever the month is, and uh, I'll write in all the Mondays, and I will write in when I'm going to do my order smarter. I do one of those a month. It's usually the second to last Thursday of the month, which is like a random day, but that's just when it happens to be. Um, And then I I make sure I have at least ideas for each of those days, um, and then I can kind of fill in the gaps as I need to. Um, And whenever I do have time, I'll try to front load as much as I can. Um, but yeah, just like having that consistency with whatever it is you're trying to show up for, um, and be known for. And I know a lot of people know me for my Miss Lester Mondays or know me for my Order Smarters at this point, which I really love, um, because it opens the door to people being receptive to your other types of content. Um, yeah. And I love yeah. that you talk about having a plan, because that's something that I talk about in this course is. You know, it's it's one thing when you, and again, a lot of people that are listening to this maybe have their own company and have for a while, or they're kind of doing it on the side and maybe thinking that they should go into it full time. And they're kind of, you know, working in that nine to five position and transitioning. And, you know, yeah. fitness content is something that I've been putting out well before it was really my, my company. And I love that you talk about having a structure because that is something that I have as well. And it works so, so well because writer's block is a real thing. I totally get that. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I schedule mine out kind of like you do. I have a Google Doc. And then I kind of have like a highlight box where I kind of highlight if something is completed and if it's posted. So I can, you know, I try to get my content written about two weeks ahead of time because things pop up. Let's talk about COVID-19, right? Things pop up. Yeah. And, you know, you did the same thing that I did. And we were like, oh, my goodness, uh, abort mission. Let's get home workouts going. You know what I mean? So yeah. things change. Um, but the fact that you have a game plan is so much easier than waking up and saying, mm, what do I feel like writing today? Because that doesn't work. It, yeah. I mean, it can work for a certain amount of time. I mean, I really only started planning my content out month by month the way that I have talked about I started that at the very beginning of 2019, so it's kind of like a resolution for me. Um, so up until that point, I had been creating content, I guess you could say, from the heart originally, like sure. on the fly, like literally for three years before that. Um, and it was definitely, you know, at first, I think when you're really enthusiastic and you're just starting out, you know, it comes a little bit more naturally because you're just going to kind of blurt out whatever it is you're thinking um, but then as you get more measured and precise about it, you know, you can kind of overanalyze. And the more you know, the more you know that you don't know. So then you start to second-guess yourself. And, you know, then you're, you know, kind of having writer's block more often the farther you get into it. So once I started kind of having that happen to me, uh, that's when I was like, okay, I need to start writing this out. I need to start planning it. So then that way I can at least, you know, have some good topics that I know that I can write about at any time, even if I'm not feeling the most creative in the world. Um, and I think that's really, really helped a lot. 
Um, and then, you know, like you said, you know, things are going to come up um, in terms of the past, like, week and a half of my content. I've completely flipped it all on its head because I've had a bunch of other topics to write about. Yep. Um, it, it's kind of March going into April, so we're getting into springtime, and I had a lot of content planned for that sort of theme. And um, I've completely just taken – either taken the idea and twisted it so that it would fit into the situation we're in now – or just completely just trashed it and moved it, or at least I copied and pasted it so that I would save it for another time, and then just moved in whatever's coming from the heart right now, because with an urgent situation like this, it's a lot easier to come up with those kinds of things on the fly. <laughs> totally. So yeah. let me ask you this. If you were mm-hmm. to describe who your target audience is, who is that? I mean, I want to know the demographic. I want to know the average income. I want to know just who your target audience or target client is right now. Yeah, um, I would say my target client is probably going to be a woman in their either, you know, graduated or ending college age around my my age to, you know, their upper 30s, maybe even early 40s. And they have some kind of job or are looking for a job or in that phase of kind of just a nine to five or finding their career path or well in their career path. And they're typically women who either have tried many things with their nutrition or just don't know where to start and kind of have paralysis by analysis. And they are just frustrated with where their body is at. Um, and they want to see change, whether it is physically with their strength or just with their confidence. I tend to find that my target demographic, and I don't think this is specific to me. I think this is universal across the nation and maybe even across the world, but women in general just tend to have low self-esteem, and that comes along with, you know, not knowing what to do with their fitness and their nutrition, which has become such a popular thing in our culture to be fit and healthy and you know, look a certain way. So I think those are all kind of intertwined. But, um, yeah, so someone who's looking to just gain confidence, uh, feel better in their skin, and honestly, and this has kind of been uh, a two-way street in terms of me defining my target audience and also my target audience finding me. Um, But the types of people that I've been getting have no longer been focused on, I want to see a certain goal weight. Uh, I want... They are more focused on, I want to feel a certain way and I want to look a certain way in my clothes. The number can be kind of secondary to that. And I think that's from the marketing and the the messaging that I'm putting out. I think it speaks to the people that are trying to feel that way. Um, But I also feel like my messaging has impacted people to want to think that way. Well, and that's kind of what my point was. So I've been asking everybody this exact question because – In week one, I ask everybody to define their target audience. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's something that I'm sure you can relate to. You had a general idea when you first started out, right? But when you really start to think about, okay, male or female, pick one, okay? And then how old are they? What's like, and I mean, really hone in. Because if somebody's like, you know, I want to be a gen pop coach or I want to be a competitor type, you know, coach or something, that's fine, right? But how old are they? How much money are they making, right? Because that's going to help you set your prices. That's going to help you figure out your content. It's going to figure out what keywords trigger certain things. Um, And so I'm sure that you can understand the importance of that. And I just wanted you to kind of briefly talk about, you know, maybe um, how, how much you've realized 
the importance of that as your business has evolved in the last few years. And then, like you were saying, how that pushed your content in a different way, because I can relate to the fact that my content now is much more targeted. It, it has the same vibe, I think, as it always has, but it's, it's much more targeted, less generic. And I think it's okay to have kind of like a niche, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like that question a lot because I think I've evolved in a way where before I think my content, my content and my coaching was very reactive to, you know, I wasn't, I didn't understand that the message that I put out would attract the exact people that resonated with my message. Right. And it sounds so simple when you put it that way, but you got to realize that no matter what, whether you are writing purposefully or speaking purposefully or not, exactly what you're saying is attracting a certain type of person. So for example, when I was deep into contest prep, the type of people that I were getting inquiries from were women who wanted to look like me or get to a certain weight. And they were very number focused because in all honesty, when you're in contest prep, you have to be number focused. So yeah, I was talking about that a lot of my stories I was posting a lot about that and whether or not it came across directly, it was coming across in a way as this goes kind of neurotic because that's the nature of contest press. And um, that's, you know, that's what those people were attracted to was kind of okay. like the, the number focus. And so then I was getting people that were like, I want to be this weight and I want to get there with these numbers and this and that. And then as I've gravitated away from contest prep and I've become more of a lifestyle client myself um, and I've worked with more and more lifestyle clients and I talk more about those experiences um, and I've been embarking on this cut for myself that I'm in right now to just feel better and I've portrayed that message to people I'm getting people who want that same thing so it is something because that's such I love 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 that you brought this up because I think so many of us listening to this can either say, oh, crap, that's me, or like, yeah, girl, I'm doing that too. So when you first went into your contest prep, um, you know, like you said, Instagram was was newer, not new, but newer, and we were kind of posting yeah. everything. It was almost like Snapchat in a sense, right, before it was oh my God, yeah. everything on there. And posts were like maybe a hashtag, right? Like it wasn't even a full-out, like, notebook worth of, you know, information, but you know, I remember my first prep and it was, I was putting everything on there because I was putting my macros, what I was eating, how much cardio I was doing. And not because yeah. I was trying to say, hey guys, do this, but that was the message I was sending. And thus, lifestyle clients weren't really contacting me or weren't resonating with me. And um, I was getting people that were also competitors who were following me. And that was cool. It was a community. I, I understood it. But now being in prep, you know, in this moment for me, I really have hardly posted anything because I don't want my clients to think that while I'm preaching that, hey, you need to eat carbs and I'm I'm not really eating carbs, like I don't want them to see those mixed messages. Yeah, absolutely. And like at the end of the day, when you are in contest prep and you are coaching lifestyle clients, there is going to be a little bit of that dichotomy. And that's, you know, something you have to battle with on a daily basis to make sure that your your messaging is you know, coherent with the type of people that you're trying to talk to. Um, and then, you know, when they do find out like, hey, oh, you're eating 50 carbs a day? 
why am I not eating 50 carbs a day? Yeah. Um, you know, being, being able to explain that in a way that makes sense to them. Right. And I think that that's super important. And I love that when you're in a dieting phase, like you are right now, you're, you're doing kind of like a mini cut. I think that that is important to say, Hey, I have some of you that are dieting right now. I'm here with you. Like that's super important. And I think that that is different than a contest prep, of course. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, but it's just, I see some coaches who fall into that trap of every time they're in contest prep, their feed is all about contest. And I think that that is something that separates the uh, relatable coach to the coach who is very self-centered and maybe not even knowing it. It's just, that's how that comes off. It's like, Hey, well, you know, you're doing this one thing that maybe 1% of everyone is even doing. I can't relate to you anymore. And I've also noticed that, you know, you and I, have a very similar target audience. For me, I deal with a lot of clients that come to me. Um, they're still struggling with binge eating. They've tried every sad diet in the book, and they are not looking for a restrictive lifestyle. They're looking for finding that food freedom and reducing anxiety. So if they come in to my you know, coaching sphere and they see that I'm restricting all the time on my story or whatever else, that's going to kind of keep that mindset going. Um, yeah. So it also is very triggering to a lot of people, which I've been very cognizant of, and I wasn't before. Even as somebody that overcame an eating disorder a long time ago, you know, I was posting everything, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, this is actually triggering. So there are certain times now where if I do post a prep update or a prep post, I will always put some asterisks and say, hey, if this is triggering, stop reading or tap through it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh I mean, it's just, it's so important to, to realize that everything that you're doing is attracting a certain type of person. Um, and that's not to say that you have to, you know, be fake with your messaging, because at the end of the day, you want to be attracting people that resonate with you, because that makes you a better coach. You know, you're going to get people that relate to you more, um, whether it's in one way or another. Like, for example, I get a lot of Asians. And, um, like, I get a lot of Asian females because they will literally look at my page and I'll be like, hey, guys, I'm half Korean. And they're yep. like, oh, my God, I'm Korean or I'm Chinese and I resonate with that. That's so cool. Um, maybe we have similar genetics or we have similar body types. Maybe I can be helped more by this person. And that's either what goes to their head consciously or subconsciously. But either yep. way, like, literally everything about you attracts a certain type of person. I get the same thing with, um, you know, a lot of people that have, been in the news industry or people that have gotten out of news they're like you know what if she can do this in tv i can do this in tv so i get yeah. it you know little things that you don't think about they come in handy or like your alma mater you know i live in cleveland i did not go to school here i'm not from here but people that went to college with me or just see that i went to a certain college in missouri they're like hey she's also you know a blah blah i'm gonna do that i don't know you find all those paths yep. it's so interesting um people yep. want to be relatable but so I love all of that. You know, your content's amazing. And if you guys don't already follow Marissa, first of all, what are you doing? But, like, also go look at her stuff because literally from the content to the post, um, it's amazing. And one thing I want to highlight, something that I talked about in the podcast for this week, is, uh, you know, quality photos of you. And I'm not saying, like, professional photos, but I just have noticed um, that people want to see photos of you. They do not want to see photos necessarily of food or things like that, and it's something that I have been kind of playing with, but 
I have noticed and studies have shown that the more they see your face, you know, even if it feels a little egocentric at first, it's really not because the second that they can read your caption and connect it with your face, they feel more in tune and more connected with you. So I just wanted to say you are somebody that is doing that um, and it shows so props to you. I don't know if you've noticed a difference, but I feel like I used to post photos of like my food or random things or like a coffee cup or something. And um, I've noticed that me with a coffee cup performs so much better than just a coffee cup, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because like I've put in a lot of effort to make sure that I'm doing that. And a lot of times if I don't have the photo that I need, of myself in a certain situation for a certain post, I won't make that post. I'll put it off until I have that, that picture. And so being able to, you know, have a backup for, you know, when you need to make a certain type of post um, is, is key because like, what if you can't grab that friend or that significant other to help you with this picture at this certain time, um, you know, and then you can't make that scheduled post. And, you know, you got to have something else to throw up there if you are trying to post a certain number of times per week or whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. And, you know, it doesn't need to be a professional. Like, iPhones nowadays are basically professional cameras with portrait That's mode true. or whatever it might be. Um, and I've gotten a lot of my best content from my phone. Uh, but, like, a lot of times it can help. And I know a lot of the people who are in Find Your Voice are pretty deeply immersed in the industry so I don't really have a problem saying this um, you know when you have a friend who also is a hashtag influencer they know how to take photos in yep. the right way so That's find true. someone around you who knows how to do that um, and if you don't have anyone around you then that's also fine like just learn how to be really crafty with your front-facing camera <laughs> and just no you're you're so you're so right I mean one of the easiest things I can say is if you just uh, put the camera or your, put your phone facing you and start a video and just pose a few times, scrub through that I do it video. Way too often. Yep. And then, you know, as simple as it sounds, guys, like network the hell out of your friends and your friends' friends because, you know, we've all been taught to network and I'm sure we're all friends with top coaches and people that have hundreds of thousands of followers, but they might be in other states, right? Guarantee you somebody knows a photographer around you that'll cut you a deal. And for example, I have a photographer that I meet with about once a month. He's a local guy here in Cleveland. And because I use him on a monthly basis, we just have a deal worked out where I don't pay him like full price. And just because I'm, he can count on me monthly, you know what I mean? So you can find a freelancer who, you know, might be a friend of a friend and we've become friends through it all. And I help him build his portfolio. He helps me with my content and there you go. You know what I mean? But I just wanted to say, I love your content again. So, you know, we've talked about all of this. You're doing all the right things. Love it. I kind of want to morph over to your email subscription list because I think this is a point that one, I know I myself could benefit from for sure. Um, so guys, whenever you're looking through your emails, you know, look, even if it's like those stupid bath and body works emails or whatever, I want you to start paying attention to what emails you just skip right over and what emails make you click and specifically emails that have nothing to do with fitness. 
you know, whatever you're subscribed to, what is it that makes you click it? Because you know immediately if you read a certain word, you're like, no, nah, skip. And if there's something that triggers you, you're like, oh, my God, have to touch it. So I want to talk to you first. Let's just talk about your method. And I want, I want some numbers for you. But, like, how many subscribers did you have when you first launched your email subscription? And how many do you have now? Um, so I was very fortunate to have um, a pretty much a mentor. Her, uh, her name's Katie. She's actually still a part of the Freshet crew. Um, she does web design and, uh, you know, online marketing and all that stuff. Um, but she's kind of in, like, med school and doing other things with her life right now. So it's not, like, at the forefront. But at the time, that was her full-time job. Uh, and we, I was fortunate enough to become really close friends with her. So she was kind of helping me out with a lot of branding type things. Um, so when I did launch my email list, it was because she prompted me to and because she guided me on how to do it. So when I did launch my email list, I put a really good, I forget what exactly it was, but it was a freebie to like basically get people to subscribe. They would get to download something for free. Um, and it was a really like quality type of freebie, like ebook or I don't know what it was. But anyways, it was something that people wanted. So when I first launched it, I think I got like 80 or 90 people right off the bat. Um, and so that was like really encouraging. And then I think from there, I'm at like 300 something. Because um, like I'm not, I haven't been the best at pushing it. But, um, you know, I have my email list subscription box on my website. And uh, anyone could really kind of go. And anytime I have like a new update, um, or I have something new that I want to make my, you know, opt-in freebies and I'll switch that out and then I'll start talking about that. But, um, anyways, yeah, so I think it's up to about like 300 something, uh, but it's, it's doing pretty well. I mean, I, I love my email list and I think there's two things that everyone who is trying to run a coaching business or business in general should have. And that is one, a website and two, an email list for sure. 300%. Um, so now I want to talk about, so you said you're, you're at around 300 subscribers? Something like that, yeah. And when did you start your list, you said? I think the very beginning of 2019. So it's been a little bit over a year. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome growth. I was going to say that's, that's awesome. Now, the freebie is something that I highlighted in the Find Your Voice course. You always want to make sure you have a freebie, something that you can give away but also something that kind of draws them in for maybe um, something to put some money in your pocket. You know, um, I send out, I'm going to tell you what I do and then I want to know what you do because I feel like your email list is great. So I, you know, I like to say when somebody is starting out with an email list, if you can commit to one email a week, that's always amazing, right? You want to make sure that they can count on you on the same day, same time for something, whether that be like a Tuesday tip, whether that be a Wednesday workout, whatever it is, you want them to have something weekly so they can see your face. Um, and I think that photos work really well. Things that are very, very simple work well, nothing that's too long or elaborate. Um, but right now I basically have a system where Tuesday is more of an informational email. And then Wednesdays I do like a free workout. And typically the workouts are linked to a guide I'm selling, or sometimes they're just literally a workout. It just depends. Right now, they're all kind of COVID at home type thing, type of thing. Um, what is your method and how many emails do you send out per week? Um, I think you'll actually be pretty shocked about this. I send out one a month. Uh, so uh -huh. I have never committed to more than that because I know that I won't get it done. 
<laughs> and that's just the reality of it. I can be consistent with one time a month, so that's what I'm doing. Um, with COVID, I have done like four extra in the month of March because every time I launched a guide, I put out an email for it. But um, with like content content, I have only ever done one a month. So if you actually go to the blog on my website, I'll post like a couple of months after they get sent out, I'll post up the uh, the old emails. So I have them from January 2019 all the way till February. I think I might have February up um, in my website blog. So I use them as blog posts after the fact. Um, but I do a monthly basically newsletter. Do any housekeeping that I that I need to do. Usually there's nothing really because I just kind of want to get into the content. And I'll just delve like deeper into a topic with my with my email list. So my email lists are more long form content. So what I love about them is it's a really easy way to get into someone's inbox and have them have a higher likelihood of them actually reading what it is you're writing. Um, versus like with Instagram, it's just a very tap and go type of platform. So people don't want to be spending a lot of time on one post for the most part. Uh, now you can obviously get people acclimated to reading more of your posts as you get better at kind of branding them and making sure you're making them engaging enough for them to kind of stay on whatever post it is you're making. But um, it's easier when it's, you know, they're already sitting at their laptop or their computer and they're already kind of spending a bunch of time on each email that they're getting. So when they get your email, they're more likely to read all of it. So I do use it for longer form content. Um, and I only do one a month. I want to do a little bit more. Um, like something simple like a workout, you could absolutely do once a week without a lot of effort. Um, but every single email that I have done so far has just taken more time. So uh, as of right now, that's, that's kind of my strategy. And then as for the opt-in, right now I have a downloadable that's basically a meal prep recipe guide um, that is a bonus that I give to uh, my clients as well. Um, when they start, it's actually straight out of one of the guides that I sell on my, uh, on my website that I ran last summer. But um, it's a it's a segment out of that that basically has a lot of meal prep recipes, grocery shopping tips, and um, I think that nutrition aspect really attracts a lot of people. So that's been helping with my email list growth as of late. Perfect. Yeah, I like that you have a newsletter format because I mean I don't really do that because I think that your emails have like multiple things in one. So when you hype it into yeah. once a month, that makes sense because you're doing, like I said, more of a newsletter style. What I typically do just to help me is I will basically cross compare my Instagram schedule and my email schedule. And what I do is usually whatever I think resonates the most that week based on all of my Instagram posts, I will extend that a little bit and that's kind of like my tailored tip on Tuesday um, so does it take a little bit of extra work yes but that's almost more of like the designing aspect because you know those emails take some time to format and just make pretty um, yeah but for you doing the newsletter that makes sense to do it once a month um, and then you know one thing I want to ask, because this is where I think a lot of us struggle, and I think that Facebook is just challenging. It's so much easier to feel like you're part of the community via Instagram. 
But how have yeah. you really focused on creating an online community for your clients? Yeah, um, so this is something newer that I'm actually working on. So I have only made a Facebook group for my clients, like, I think maybe two or three months ago, maybe December. I don't even know if I did it in 2019. I might have started in 2020. But anyways, I basically went through and added any clients that I didn't have as friends on Facebook uh, on Facebook and made a group. And it's still kind of like coming together a little bit. But um, engagement is hard on Facebook. In a Facebook group, and the larger, the larger it gets, the harder it gets because the more people feel like a tiny voice in this big sea because everyone can see the number of members, et cetera, et cetera. But um, – one, a few things that I'm working on are going live with my Facebook group more often. Um, that seems to be really, really good. The last one I did was actually, like, super interactive, and people were just like, thank you so much for doing this. During, especially during this time with COVID, you know, they just want to be able to hear you talk. And if, if it's your clients, well, you know, they love you, and they're there for you. So, like, just being able to interact with you more is such a blessing to them. Um, so Facebook Lives are huge them um and i kind of honestly just jumped on and i was like whoever comes on comes on if no one comes on then i'll just talk and they can watch it later and like hopefully establishing kind of a consistent time so that i can do it weekly or bi-weekly or something like that um and then highlighting clients progress within the facebook group and having them cheer each other on is huge um i basically do that um once a week if i can and just you know highlight someone's transformation or you know if they're not comfortable with that and I'll just kind of talk about them and their progress uh, verbally um, and then another thing that I will always do is make sure to welcome any new members so as long as soon as I uh, onboard a new client I am welcoming them in the Facebook group asking them to introduce themselves um, a little bit more in depth and just like building that sense of community of welcome to the team you know you're a part of something now and uh you know giving them that sense of identity within the group right how important would you say i know you said it's new um how important is building that community with your clients um i mean up until this point i hadn't really thought about it much and it hadn't made as big of a difference for me but i think moving forward it will definitely bring a sense of cohesiveness to the team um, and just to, you know, a group of women who can all kind of relate to each other. And I have had clients in the past, you know, get get to know each other and meet each other in person, and that has been such a blessing. And I think I want, I want to see more of that, especially because my audience is very local. It was pretty unintentional how my audience became local, but just because I'm in the D.C. area. A lot of people in the D.C. area happen to find me through hashtags or whatever it might be, location tags. Um, and so I do have a lot of local clients. And, uh, you know, them being able to meet each other, get to know each other, have friends who also work out, you know, after all of this quarantine stuff is over, obviously, you know, they can meet up and uh, interact in person. And so you know, I think I keep seeing everyone is everyone is doing that. And I'm like, I want to jump on that bandwagon, but having these like local meetups with your coach, I agree with you. It sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And, um, I mean, my workshops that I've done in the past have been kind of a way to get to know those people in person, um, because a lot of them end up being my clients. But, um, since, you know, I can't have a workshop in the next 
however long right now, um, just working on that sense of community within the group and then hopefully, uh, you know, expanding it to something else in the future. Perfect. All right, Marissa, is there anything else that you want to share? Maybe um, your biggest, maybe your biggest lesson since inception related to content and then one tip for everybody listening. Yeah, um, I would have to say, and this is kind of related to everything that we have talked about, but it's just to practice writing. And even if you have, oh, hi, buddy, is it doggo? Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, a big lab just jumped on me. Um, but I think that writing is super, super important. So just, you know, even if you're not a good writer, which I am not, I have never been a good writer. English class has always been my hardest all growing up. Um, and I have basically never been a natural storyteller, whether it's verbally or, you know, in writing. And I think I work better with writing, but I have just forced myself to verbalize more as much as possible. So whether that has been writing the newsletters, um, or, just writing posts or rewriting posts um, and then with messaging my clients, um, using video messaging to just speak out uh, what I'm thinking has been super helpful and reading what I write out loud after I write it, uh, if it is, you know, a written in the written form has been super important um, because if you're not a national writer or speaker, you just have to keep doing it. Uh, because I think a lot of people use that as an excuse to not put out content, and it just it just can't be because you have to. I mean, if you are a content provider, you're providing information, you're providing value, and you have to find a way that you can naturally articulate that to people and have it be uh, receptive. So, you know, everyone kind of has their own style, but you have to practice to be able to find what that is. Conversation is so important. I cannot reiterate that enough. I mean, just being mm -hmm. conversational for sure. And thank God we're doing this Find Your Voice course. <laughs> yeah. We will talk exactly. all about that. Yes. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest piece of advice and the biggest thing that I've learned over time because I think I've spent a lot of time in the past kind of avoiding writing more, um, especially with like the idea of having an email list, I would always kind of push that off um, until I did start it because I was like, well, I don't want to write, so I'm not going to have that. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's definitely one of the biggest things that will help. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, girl, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for any nutrition, coaching, programming, or a combination, head over to tailoredtraining.com. You can always send me an email at trainwithtaylor at gmail.com. And of course, follow me on Instagram at taylorfit.com.